Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. I thought I was going to get a little gift then because Laura said, raise your hand. Oh, I, well Then she added, if your anniversary is in October, I'd put it down again. So you set me up for a disappointment. No, we're all winners here today because we are in the house of God and the Holy Spirit is going to add to us here this morning. Um, thank you, band. You can uh, take the seat. Nicole sends her well wishes. She's not well at the moment. So I said, you're not coming because you'll be designated a super spreader. So you've got to stay home. So. And a big thank you to Claire and Adrian uh, Vermeulen who are up here from Hepburn Heights. Uh, Adrian and Claire uh, coordinate and run the whole worship and uh, team down at Hepburn. So we're so appreciative that you're here today to uh, lead us and share your gift with us. You can come up anytime, both of you. You know that. And you might recognise these guys from YouTube because they are YouTube <laughs> sensations. And uh, yeah, thanks for all your stuff on Instagram too. You need to know that those things you pray and you say are great encouragements to to uh, the house of God and to church. So thank you. Um, Sean's really preached what I'm, my message, which is um, out of Colossians, we're continuing, and it's about putting off the old and putting on the new. We know that Jesus says, you are a new creation, old things have passed and new things have come. And sometimes we go, yes, that's a present reality, but it's also a starting point for us that continually we need to be aware. Does anyone have that old person popping their head up often? Frequent? Yeah. So God gives us the ability and the promise that we can deal with that. We heard last week, if you followed the YouTube, who's a subscriber to C3 Queen's Beach? Thank you. Hop on. Uh, and this is mind-boggling from Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4. This is what God has done for us. What he's done for Christ, he's also done for us. Paul writes in Colossians 1 to 4, he says, You have been made alive with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. You have been seated in heaven with Christ. Those things that Jesus has been given through the Heavenly Father, he's shared with us. You have been made alive with Christ. You have been raised with Christ and you are seated in heaven with Christ. What do you do with that truth? You know, we sang it before, we sang Amen, which is so be it. We agree, God, as you have spoken it, so be it in my life. And that's a great starting point that we establish that, not just as a goal, but as a truth foundational and a reality in our life, that we belong, we are in heaven. The old has passed and the new has come. And so the implications of that for our daily lives are major. And Paul gives us in the next few verses that follow uh, a, a response. And Sean put it so well. If we are now in heaven, then those things in us and of us that are of earth don't belong there. And so we put those things off, we put those to one side. And what we embrace is what life in heaven is. Worship. Praise, glory, honour, goodness, love, holiness. And those are the things that we clothe ourselves with. 
So Paul's message through those verses 5 to 14 are about taking off the old and being renewed in the image of Jesus. So let's read those verses. This is your scripture for today. So make the most of it. All right. It's nine verses from the start. So put to death, therefore. What's the therefore? If you are raised with Christ, if you've been made alive with Christ, if you are seated in heaven with Christ, therefore put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, because it doesn't belong in heaven. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Those things we look to satisfy ourselves that are not of God. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. They are ungodly and they will be judged. And I like the fact that Paul names them. It's not some amorphous sin that I'm going through. It's a great little checklist for us. And that's not a complete checklist. You can look in Galatians, you can look in Peter. There's ones that you can add there. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. And don't lie to each other. Don't lie full stop. Since you've taken off your old self uh, with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That's the reality. Don't let those other things deceive you that you are not alive with Christ. You are not raised with Christ. You are not seated in the heavens. Sometimes, and this is common, we're thinking we have to get ourselves right, put all that stuff to death, and then we might be good enough to get into heaven. God says that's not the way it works. Through Jesus Christ, you are already there, and that's the starting point of your ongoing daily battle. God has already done that for you. So here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. It's not just enough to get rid of the old. We have to put on the new. So therefore, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. For if any of you has a grievance, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So when I look at those verses, the thing that stands out for me is the sharp contrast between what life is like without God and what life is like with Christ. And Paul tells us that our true life, the satisfying uh, fulfilling life is what will be found in Christ. So if we look at those two lists, it's an interesting little exercise to, to ponder one and then ponder the other and to see and pick up the mood of one and the style of life you'll find in one and then to suddenly switch to the other and you'll see that it really is black and white. So we have those lists up there, Lockie? Oh, there we are there. All right, why don't you just sort of cover one list and just look at look at the one on the left there look at the old life and what it feels like 
and then cover up the list on the left and let the list on the right permeate you. Which one fills you more with the promise of peace? Uh, they're obvious. It's an obvious question. <laughs> Which one fills you more with the promise of strength? Which one fills you more with the promise of contentment? So in one we find the attitudes and the behaviours that are going to lead to a breakdown of God in us and what God has done for us. Not only in, for us but also in our relationships because a lot of those are, are relational. But in the other th- side, we see the heavenly things that God has placed in us and God has made available for us. The beautiful things that enhance our genuine human existence, we have been made in the image of God. And so things that God has made available for us, uh, we need to establish in us before we even attempt to get rid of that old lifestyle. Paul sort of gives us a a three-prong uh, strategy in taking off the old and putting on the new and that firm foundation which needs to become a reality before we even try to do anything because if we leave this first step out what we're going to be doing is trying to do things in our own strength we're going to be trying to do things with some sort of an earthly rule-based strategy do not lust after women and women don't lust after men okay I do not rule. Oh, here's a good here's a good rule: no dancing. Because dancing leads to evil thoughts and to lust. Did anyone grow up in the age of you are not to be dancing? There we go. All right. So what we're doing is we're putting our holiness on an earth-based rule. So before we even go to that, what we really want to establish in our hearts is the Spirit of God. God has done this for you. Paul says, therefore. So don't go anywhere near the therefores until you've established in your heart what God has done for you. God has done this. Therefore, honour God with the life that's worthy of his love. And Paul gives us two therefores in verses 1 to 4. We've already done it a little bit. Ephesians adds another one. You've been made alive with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. And you are seated in heaven with Christ. Therefore, those things of the old don't belong in heaven. They're like gangrenous limbs that if you bring them up there, you know, it's going to poison. It's going to poison you and make it impossible for you to be at rest there. So we want to establish that as a faith position in our heart and in our spirit. And it's the Word of God. You're agreeing with the Word of God. God is a good person to agree with. What does God say about you? God says, I have made you alive with Christ. I have raised you with Christ and you are seated in heaven with Christ. What's our common misconception? I've got to get myself right and then I will get up and get to heaven. Maybe if I'm good enough. Everybody falls into that trap because it's, we cannot get our head around those marvellous things that God has done for us. That's why Paul often prays, I'm praying you will have the power not to do good, not to reject evil, that you will have the power to understand how much God loves you. What's the second therefore in verse 12? Therefore, as God's chosen, holy and dearly loved people. Now those words are sort of reserved for Jesus and for Israel. 
you know, his chosen people, but he gives it to us as well. Because you are chosen, I've chosen you. Because you are holy, I've made you holy. Sean gave it to us in communion because of Jesus. And you are dearly loved. If God's attitude towards you is that, why do we want to bring something that is not of God? It's got no place. So Paul's telling us that we must, not telling us what we must do in order to be raised with Christ. He's not telling us what to do in order to be held dear to God. He's telling us what to do because we have been raised, we are raised, and because we are dear to God. That God-ordained heavenly condition is our reason and our motivation for putting that old life to one side. Because there's stuff on the old life that will satisfy for about a minute. Probably not even a minute. Because afterwards you feel, eh. But sometimes we 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 feel we need to strive for the presence of heaven, the acceptance of God, but God simply says, I've given it to you and it's yours freely. It's a matter of appropriating that. We belong in heaven. Amen. That's a hard thing for some of us to say. We feel like, "Mm, I don't know if I do belong in heaven. You do, because the perfect sacrifice, Jesus, has made that possible and wiped your sin away. Because we're seated with Jesus in the heavenly places, we've been given access to the source from which we can draw the strength to overcome and put to death our old life. You cannot do it in your own strength. We need to recognise that we are seated in heaven, alive with Christ, raised with Christ, seated in heaven. Every spiritual blessing is given to us in Christ. We have the gear. God has given it to us. Who is our strength? Who is our source? God himself. And our union with Christ guarantees that we will never ever be disconnected from that source of power. Our job is to look to that, to recognise it and to enact it in our life. And go, just hang on God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to honour you by doing it myself. I'm going to put that thing to death. We have to establish that reality in our life that God has put us in that heavenly place and is our resource. So put away the checklists. Who's got a checklist? Put it away. We're going to come to it in a second, actually. Put away that checklist, because it's not about how you are going to make yourself right before God. It's more about this. God has lifted you into a holy place with Christ, and then given us the charge to bring that heaven to earth for our own life and for those around us. I'm going to give you a quick little history lesson. In the late 70s, thanks, Lockie, first picture. There was a really big social issue around uh, uh, preserving the environment. And the, the, the turning point in the late 70s were the Tasmanian rainforests. And for those of you who were around at the time, I was in my late teens, early 20s, it actually decided the election. It actually brought Bob Hawke uh, and Paul Keating into power. And what happened was, and this was the turn of, of, of public sentiment, for, for years they were going on, the loggers are bad, you know, the clearing is bad, it's bad for the environment, look at the stats, they're bad, they're bad, it's bad, it's bad. Right? And it didn't turn until all of a sudden, these, this is a very famous image, I've got it up in my garage, um, uh, until it turned 
And what they started to do was to celebrate what was good, to celebrate the forests. So instead of going evil, we must be away with it, they turned their thinking and they turned their promotion to, look how awesome this is. The next picture, Lockie, that's this, the second famous one. I don't know, who's seen those pictures before? You have to have grown up in the late 70s, yeah. And so that's, that, that's an example for us. We are going to fight the evil. We're going to fight the old person. But what we do is start with celebrating what is fantastic and what is awesome. And we establish that in our hearts, what God has done for us. And at the end of today, we're going to finish with um, some time in worship. Because if we're going to, to live in that heavenly place, we want to learn to speak the heavenly language and do what's going on in heaven. What's going on in heaven? Jesus is being worshipped. Jesus is being praised. There is prayer. There is honour. We want to bring what's in heaven and we start from there because that's where we belong. So let's get on with what is happening in heaven. So I'm feeling awesome. I'm going out the door because I have been made alive with Christ. I am raised with Christ and I am seated in heaven with Christ. That's a truth and a reality. But it's actually our starting point. It's not our end point. I was going to read it from here. Do not imagine that the new life you are living now is a result rather than the starting point of your daily battle with temptation. But we fight from a heavenly position. We fight from a position of authority. Paul says, you reign in life with Christ. We have the authority. So I know when I head out the door, something is crouching there, waiting to get me. And that's not me, that's God. Let me read to you from Genesis. This is what God said to Cain, Cain who committed the first murder. Cain, why are you downcast? Don't you know sin is crouching at your door? It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So if something's crouching down, what's it ready to do? It's ready to pounce. So we know we're not naive. We're celebrating what God has done for us. We're celebrating and, and, and professing and declaring who we are in Jesus. But we're also aware that we've got an enemy which is looking to rob us of that. And Paul gives us two commands. It's, it's quite simple. Put it to death and get rid of it. So I've been imagining a big club with big nails at the end of it, all right, that I'm going to put to death. But then I was a bit convicted down there, and it's the sword of the Spirit. It's actually a sword, all right. So I have been imagining a big club with nails, and I've been clubbing it. But I think I'm going to change my thing and just get a sword and just go like that, all right, to whatever it might be. We've got to put it to death. Mm. Whoever feels like it's like a one-man zombie apocalypse that keeps coming up and the same thing keeps coming up you know? I'll tell you what I've been putting up with lately, it's resentment now, I've been a bit sensitive to this because I've been, been looking into it but it's resentment and Paul says the solution is simple but it's drastic, you've got to put it to, bit, to death, so if you could see my club with the big nails at the end of it smack, you know and banging it down when I feel that tide of passion, that surge of anger, that surge of lust, it could be resentment, it could be evil desires, it could be envy. 
could be greed. God calls it idolatry. What you're doing is looking to that to get some sort of satisfaction, and we're turning away from the source of life to something else to bring us some sort of satisfaction, and it's only going to lead to death. Has anyone ever done this? You resent someone, or maybe it's even unforgiveness, and so you got you pull them out. There's a little person, and you pull them out of your heart, and you stab them lots of times. <laughs> and then you put it back in your heart, and you feel good because you've done it. Paul says that's not what you do. You've got to put it to death right from the start. And one of the things we have to resolve is, as f- from the very first moment, as soon as that thought comes into your head, you've got to put it to death. And you put it to death with a profession of the word and through prayer. So I had, a, I had an example just, I'm, I don't know, God's trying to teach me something about resentment. Or maybe I'm just feeling a bit tired. All right? Sometimes something physical can actually be the cause. Um, so let me give you two examples so so um, look you know I'm a teacher we just finished up with the year 12s and they were a difficult group this year they were quite awful for about three or four years so at the end I'm on the oval they're they're leaving and about five of the the boys young men come over and um, you know I just wanted them to go they come over (laughs) um, and they shake my hand and go thanks, mate, thanks for everything. And then they moved on. So I'm going, right, first of all, you're not my mate, right? (laughs) And then I'm thinking, secondly, a glib little five words does not actually put away three or four years of treating, treating us like we're rubbish and, you know, whatever. Individually, lovely people. It's just this mob, this group thing, all right? So that's my thought, all right? So... That's not godly. That sort of thought does not belong in heaven. What's a heavenly thought? Compassion, kind, we're going to come to it, you know. God says, be holy because I am holy, which means forgive because I am forgiving, which is be compassionate because I am compassionate. Because I'm alive with Christ, raised with Christ, seated in the heavenlies with christ i'm seated in heaven i've been blessed with every spiritual blessing resentment has no place there but it's up to me to put it to death it's up to me to bludgeon it it's up to me to stop it before it gets even further so how do we do that well the first thing i do is reject it i recognize it that's from that list on the left that's the old me So I recognize it straight away and go, resentment, I rebuke you. Resentment, I reject you. I reject you because I have been made alive with Christ, seated with Christ, raised with Christ. You have no place. You're not to be here. You're a gangrenous limb that needs to be cut off. Here, receive my club with the big nails at the end of it which I've actually replaced with the sword. (laughs) Because the next thing, I'm using the word, but the next thing, you know, I I thought was, God loves these people. So if I leave it at resentment and move on, I I put away the old man, right? God, aren't I so good? I don't resent them anymore. God says, well, that's good. You're just coming back to a neutral position. You've got to love them. 
So that's putting on something new. One's putting off the resentment. Now I've got to put on something else. So God says you've got to love them. How am I going to love them? Well, a good place to start is the Word of God and prayer. And if you think back in, you know, three or four, um, you know, preachers, we looked at the, the prayer in Colossians 1, which, which you know, for me, it's a, it's a button for me at the moment, so I'm just going to push it again. You know? And you learn that prayer, and it's God, you know, I've put to death the rejection, the, the, the resentment, but now I've got to put on love. And so I'm praying for them. God, I pray for these boys, they're young men, you know, they've been in a you know, Christian school, learning the Bible. Uh, it doesn't look like anything's happened, but that's, that's not my job, that's up to God, and I've got to believe it, you know. So, God, I pray that these boys will live a life that's worthy of you. I pray, Lord God, that they'll be fruitful in every good will, that they'll increase in the knowledge of you. Now, what am I doing? I'm thinking like God. I'm thinking like heaven, which is where I am. I pray, Lord God that they would live a life and give joyful thanks to you because they will realise one day that you have rescued them from a kingdom of darkness and you've brought them into the kingdom of your son, Jesus Christ. You know, I can't pray like that or, or talk like that in my natural strength. I actually need my starting point, which is such a reality in my heart that I am in heaven and I am of heaven. I am not of the earth. I'm quite an unusual, extraordinary person walking around. I don't actually belong here. I'm sojourning here. Put away the things of earth. Think about the things that are of heaven. So I'm putting that away, but I need God's help. That's why I go to the Bible and that's why I pray those prayers. And you will find, I found, as I prayed that regularly over a two or three week period, my heart did start to shift. And I did start to think like God towards these people. And then this week, another thought came, another resentment thought about somebody else. Uh-huh. So what did I do? Exactly the same thing. As soon as it comes up, I go, that's resentment. That's the old one that Paul advises me to put to death, to get rid of, to shake off straight away. Or I think I'll hop on the internet and go and find some images no, that's lust. Straight away, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to pray for the people that might be in those images and caught up in that sort of lifestyle. And I go to my Colossians chapter, you can choose your own prayer, but I go to my Colossians chapter 1 prayer and that's what I pray. So I'm putting it to death because the standard we live now is the life of heaven. And they don't behave like that in heaven. Stuff on list, that list on the left is not there in heaven. But I'm real enough to know that it's up to me to actually recognize that. I'm just going to read from here. Every Christian has the responsibility before God to investigate the lifelines or whatever sins are defeating you personally. Cut them off without pity. It's because of them, Paul says, the wrath of God is coming. That lets you know what God thinks about it. Better that than to eventually let them destroy you. Or better than better that than to let those things inhibit your relationship with God and really fulfilling that true calling. What were, with, what were our thoughts about that list on the right? That's where strength comes from. That's where peace comes from. That's where contentment comes from. 
And God's equipped us, therefore, you've been alive with Christ, raised with Christ, seated in the heavens with Christ, therefore, put it to death, get yourself rid of it. And then finally, Paul tells us, this is the third of his strategy, put on the new self. And so we go into verses 12 to 15, and let me just read those quickly. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, well, the mood changes, doesn't it? Changes from negative to positive. It's like coming out of a fog and into sunlight. Because you're chosen, holy and dearly loved, let's fit ourselves out with the new robes, the new clothes that uh, Sean alluded to. So what do we put on? We put on, and he lists them here, put on compassion, a deep sensitivity to the needs and sorrows of others, put on kindness, put on humility. We forego our own rights just like Jesus did on the cross and we live a life of sacrifice so that others can live a life of fulfilment to them. Put on gentleness. Put on patience. How do you find yourself dealing with the difficult people around you? What do you notice about all these things? They're all relational. They're all about people. What is the most precious commodity to God? People. And if we are coming from heaven to earth, he's going to send us with those heavenly qualities. Bear with one another and forgive. It's inappropriate not to forgive whom God has forgiven. And it's inappropriate for one who knows the joy of being forgiven not to share that with someone else. Sean said it, clothing is a fascist, fascist. Clothing is a fashion statement. It's not a fascist statement, all right? Clothing is a fashion statement. And we're called to let ours be a reflection of who God is. We are supposed to reflect God so that when people see us, what they see is the image of our Father. Loving, compassionate, caring, confident, competent. That person is just like their dad. Isn't that a great, um, a great compliment to have? Our founding purpose is to be like Jesus who came to earth to reveal the Father. So yes, we worship him in spirit and truth, but also in the details of our lives each and every day to carry around the atmosphere of heaven, the very presence of God. Can I have the worship team up and we'll come into a time of worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is so precious, it is so wise, it is so true. And Holy Spirit, here today we pray. Paul's prayer 
that you would give us the power, the wisdom to know what you have done for us. That that reality, you have made us alive with Christ. We are raised with Christ. We are seated in heaven with Christ. Would be firmly established in our spirits. Lord, that each day we would walk in the strength of that, in the strength of your word. And from the riches of that blessing, Lord, we would be ready to put to death the old. And in the riches of that blessing, Lord, we would be ready to put on those things that would minister to you, the things of heaven, to the people of this world. Thank you, Lord. And just before we come to a time of worship, and within that time of worship, we're going to take that opportunity to fight that old man. Not by addressing the sin so much, but by speaking the language of heaven. Worship. Praise. Celebrate those things that God has given us through his son, Jesus. Because as we strengthen ourselves in that foundational truth, we equip ourselves to put things to death. We equip ourselves to rid things. We equip ourselves to put on. So we're going to come to a time of worship in a minute. Before we do that, though, just with every eye closed, I mentioned earlier that our lives are hidden in Christ. Who is your life? We're not capable of living a fruitful and satisfying life without Him. And so always we give the opportunity, if you're here this morning, and your life is not in Christ, then you have that opportunity to do so here today. To acknowledge my old man, my old life makes me a sinner. And I can't do anything about it without a saviour, Jesus Christ. So here right now, before we come to this time of worship, if that's you, you're here today and you've never acknowledged your life as being in Christ. You've never acknowledged that you need a saviour to make that possible. We're going to pray a prayer right now. I'm just going to invite you to just follow along with the words and we'll pray it. And at the end, I'm just going to ask you to pop your hand up just to indicate that that's you today. And we've got a small gift for you. Let me pray this, listen to the words and follow along. Father God, fill me with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that I might live a life worthy of you, please you in every way, that I would grow in the knowledge of you. That I would give joyful thanks because you rescued me from my life of sin and darkness, which right now I give to you. I receive your forgiveness 
I receive your redemption and I receive your invitation into the kingdom of Jesus who I now call my saviour. And just while your eyes are closed, is there anybody here who prayed that in their heart for the very first time? Or perhaps you've been away from God and you're coming back and you're praying that again with a conviction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Father, in you, we seal that truth and that prayer in our hearts anew again from today forward. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You can open your eyes. Let's stand. And in this song that we're about to sing, really get your stance right. Open your heart. We're citizens of heaven. We're in heaven. What's heaven doing? It's surrounding the throne. It's praising Jesus. It's worshipping Jesus. It's declaring he is worthy. Heaven is our source. Earth is his footstool. We reign in life through the one Jesus. But our starting point is to acknowledge that and to be in his presence. So as Claire and the team lead us, let's enter this time of worship. Forget about the old man. Forget about fighting. It's all about exalting and lifting up the one true God. Amen. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.